certainly did, amen. I'm sitting there just, just rem reminiscing a little bit. Elder Blackburn was singing quartets, leading quartets before I met his daughter. Amen. And he's still 84 now and still singing strong. Still giving God the glory. Uh, the other day I was here and they were practicing. What was it, Tuesday? Last Tuesday. I made it in, amen. And I was getting ready to leave and they was practicing. And he was sitting over here just leading the group, singing his heart out. I said, look at God. Uh, just, just bless me, Dad. Bless me, amen. So we just thank God for you know, that, that example. You know, you can serve God all the way, and you ain't done yet. You know my I ain't done yet, amen. Just continue to give God the glory in all things. Let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, we just come before you right now, Lord. We thank you, Lord, for everything that's been said, done, sung. Lord, all for your glory. And, Lord, as we prepare to just go into your word, we want you to move every distraction and every thing else out of the way, Lord, that we can hear clearly from you. We thank you right now for your goodness. We thank you for this day that you've given us, another opportunity, Lord, to lift you up and to magnify your name. We thank you for Jesus, Lord, and all that he did for us on the cross, Lord, but he wasn't done there. Lord, he came back in the power and the spirit of the Holy Ghost and Lord, to empower us to walk this life, Lord, to live it in a way, God, that, that magnifies you in every breath that we breathe. So we say, have your way in us, Lord. Remove those things that are not like you, Lord. Continue to strengthen us and build us, shape us and mold us, make us the people that you called us to be. And we give you the glory and the praise and the honor, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Hallelujah. You can be seated, amen. Go ahead and release our children to their classes, amen, and we'll be ready to get into the Word. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. It's good to be back. Not just back, but feeling good. Hallelujah. Man, this, this, this past week was a challenge. Came back feeling good, and before the evening was over, we was feeling whew, all kind of sickness trying to come on our body. You see, but we thank the Lord, Amen, because He's saw and continue to see us through it, Amen. We just give people a little chance to drop their kids off and things get settled, Amen. You know, as we were traveling, as Pastor Linda said, we got to experience the rain over there a little bit. No, but it's, it's, it's wonderful. It was one thing I thought she was going to mention that, you know, even as we came back into Florida and we had a few downpours, the thing I, I loved about it, amen, is you give it 20 minutes, it is gone. Everything is dry. It came and watered what it needed to water, so, it, you know, nothing is parched, amen. Sometimes when we go through a storm, we feel like it's forever. But that's all right. Just Just wait a few minutes. Just hold on. Give God a little time. All that's going to dry up, amen, and there's going to be life springing forth because of the rain, amen. So don't worry about the rain. Thank God for the rain, amen, because all sunshine will make a desert, right? And that's not where we want to be, amen. So we want to be able to allow a little rain and appreciate a little storm 
in our lives sometimes. Amen. It causes us to go. The wind makes you stronger. Amen. The, the wind and the rain, amen, is there to build us up. Amen. So we fret not because of that. Uh, you know, I, I, you know, I was sitting in, we were sitting in a restaurant, and I looked at the rain, amen, because they jumped out the van and ran inside like they were going to get, you know, I'm melting, I'm melting. <laughs> You're not going to melt. I mean, it's, it's, it's all right, you know, but we know how our sisters are about their hair, right? I ain't got no problem to worry about that, you know, but they don't want their hair to just go go from, you know, looking all slick and sling to all of a sudden you got an Afro puff, <laughs> you know, because the rain done hit it, you know. <laughs> it's like, no. But we thank God, amen, for just the time to go and to, to receive some relaxation. And, and as, as my wife was sharing, even though we're gone, God is still dealing with us. Amen. And your, your heart is here and your heart is there, and, you know, you're praying and, and believing God but trusting him, amen. And, I, and I've come to a place that, you know, I, I can relax very well when I'm away. In fact, I can relax very well when I'm here. <laughs> because it's, it's God. It's on him. Amen. And we're just here to do what he says do. Amen. Good to see you, Anthony. Amen. I like to see different ones come in. I ran into Dana back there in the back. I'm like, woo good to see him. Amen. So, you know, different ones. Amen. We just praise God. But this morning, amen, we're going to go ahead and. Go into the word. Hallelujah. You know, it's been a good service so far. Amen. Nothing's going to change. It's just going to get better and better. Amen. I, I like even the song they sang you know, just, just now. You'll understand it by and by. And even as Elder Blackburn was introducing the song, you know, talking about getting that understanding and keeping on, you know, I'll share with Pastor Fred, just keep living. If you don't understand something or, or you know, you know, you don't. It don't make sense to you right now. Just keep living. And I, you know, in our early days, you know, leading and we, we you know, dealing with people and when all most of our, well, actually, all our kids were at home. People would tell us, your your kids are this and they going through that and they acting this way and that way and you know. But the thing was, they ain't had no teenagers. You know. So, so they didn't understand, you know, what we was going through. It didn't make no sense because, you know, theirs was little and they could do this and do that. They could control them so easily, you know. But, and I, I, I would tell them back then, keep on living. And, and as years have gone by, mine have grown up and now they're all adult children. And I, I've witnessed those same people as they went through the teenage years go through things equal or more than we went through. And I begin to wonder what happened to the control. But see, you just got to keep on living. You know, because time and chance happens to us all. Amen. We're just in different times and different seasons and different stages of life. Amen. But, you know, the one constant for you as a child of God is God. Amen. And we got to keep our heart, our mind focused on him. So I'm going to begin by asking us a very fundamental question, a basic question that most any Christian should be able to understand and answer without a lot of thought or, or meditation or contemplation. And the simple question is this, why did Jesus die? That's not a hard question. Why did he die? What was the reason that Jesus died. 
we come to church and we, you know, we talk about all kinds of other things often, but why did, why did he die? Can I get some response? To save our souls for our sins. To get back mankind. Okay, y'all doing good. Anybody else? Defeat death, hell, and the grave. Because God so loved the world to redeem us from sin. Sarah just hit right on the head. Go with me to the most, one of the most quoted scriptures in the Bible. John 3.16. Amen. John 3.16, as we look at what it says, because this is, this is foundational stuff, you know, but it's life-changing stuff. That when all the complexity of life comes in, sometimes we just got to go back to what the foundation of. What are you standing on when the wind blows, no matter whether it's rain, hail, sleet, you know, or whatever. And it says, for God so loved the world that, that means purposely, amen, he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Now, I want to read that same verse in the Amplified, and then we're going to expound on it just a little bit because we got a, a little journey to go on this morning. Is that all right? In the Amplified, it says like this, For God so greatly loved and dearly prized the world that he even gave up his only begotten unique son so that. Everybody say so that. This is the whole reason. Okay, so that whosoever believes in, trusts in, clings on, clings to, relies on him shall not perish, come to destruction, be lost, but have eternal, everlasting life. Nowhere in there does he, he deal with anything but so that we would believe on him, so we could have ever. Lasting life. In other words, this scripture makes it very clear that the only reason Jesus died is so we could have everlasting life by believing on him. Amen? That's real simple, real clear, right? So when we look at anything else, he didn't, Jesus didn't come to battle sin. Because if we believe on him, sin becomes a moot point. Uh, see, he... See, because if he came to battle sin, I really want us to get this, because if he came to battle sin, that's an ongoing battle, because why are we going to keep on sinning? And then you've got to deal with all the different types and ways that you sin, the all levels and degrees, as we like to put it on sin, big sin, little sin, white sin, black sin, you know. But he said, you know what, if, if you just believe on me, it covers all that stuff. It covers all your issues, your shortcomings, your failures, your fears, if you just believe on him, amen, make that period, the foundation of your walk, amen, your approach to life, your approach to being a Christian. If I just believe in him, that's a lot. I will have everlasting life. I don't have to battle anything else because I believe him. I don't got to struggle with all these other things because I believe him. See, but when we miss that point, then we start trying to fight this thing or that thing or 
the other thing, and I'm struggling with this. I've overcome that. But, I'm, but when we really get down to the basis of what he wanted us as his people to know, amen, just believe God. It's, it sounds pretty simple, doesn't it? But it's not always as simple as it sounds. So we ask ourselves, you know, another question, what is it? I mean, why is it that we do what we do? You know, why do we come to church? Sometimes, you know, we got to really think about that. Why do we come to church? Why do we um, sing in the choir? Why do we give, pay our tithes to the church? Why, why, you know, do we read the Bible? Why do we fast? You know, why, you know, uh, uh, you know think about those things. Why, why is it that, you know, we do anything that is, quote, unquote, spiritual or religious. Do we do it because it's a habit? Do we do it because it's required of us? Are we going somewhere? Okay, but see, we've got to stop and think about this. Do we do we do it because, you know, if we don't, someone's going to question it? Or do we do it because we love God? Do we do it because our focus is on him? Amen. And, and whether anyone requires me to do it or not, I'm going to do it because I'm doing it as unto him. That's when it, that's the only time it really matters. Can I really be honest with you? You know, if you're fasting because pastor said to, you know, but you're really not doing it as unto God. Mm. Is he really honoring? See, I'm, I'm, I'm saying this. You know, we could do a lot of things for the wrong reasons, good things, for the wrong reasons without understanding. And it moves us no further, closer to God. So the, the key is we could do it, amen, in, in honor of me or another leader, another person. And, and all that is good, but that's not unto God. And it's my job, it's my desire, my focus is to really get every person that I can connected to God. You know, to make that, that transition from connecting just to a spiritual leader, amen, but to connect to God. So that is the primary relationship. And all, you know, we do as we come together to worship him is we're encouraging one another in that relationship. We're we're, we're provoking one another in that relationship, amen. And when that relationship is right, all the other relationships don't have no problem. But when our, our, our target is to please man and not to please God, we've missed the mark, although you might please the man or the woman or the wife or the husband. But if it's not to please God, you've already missed the mark spiritually. Can I just be real this moment? You know, and there's a lot of, and I say it all the time, there's a lot of distractions out there that will cause us, amen, to let our focus be in this earthen realm rather than being in the spiritual realm, amen. And because those things that don't, you know, as we go back to that understanding, they don't make sense, they don't line up, then we, we choose, well, I'm not going to do it. Cause, but where was your focus? Was your focus on God? Was it focused on the spiritual things? Amen. Remember, if... He didn't say if you believe in man, you'll have everlasting life. 
He said, if you believe in Jesus, you'll have everlasting life. Are y'all with me? I want to help us this morning. Amen. So, you know, I'm not even going to address all the worldly things. Just, you know, why we do the spiritual things that we do, because that is what's going to set us apart. And when we really understand why we do the spiritual things and we begin to do those things with the proper focus, guess what? The worldly things that continue to encroach upon many Christians' lives will no longer have room to move. Because if you're doing the spiritual things with the wrong focus, that's why the worldly things can yet come in. Trying to help us. Amen. You know, so we look at our lives and we have to individually check ourselves. I remember years ago, you know, I preached a message, amen, as, as Pilate was you know, dealing with whether or not to crucify Jesus. And, and, and the question was asked, well, what am I to do with Jesus? And sometimes we got to come to that place, even as a child of God, we got to remind ourselves, we got to check ourselves, what am I really doing with Jesus? You know, I, I can have a reason and a purpose, you know, why I think or why I do or why I say so many things. But where does he really fit into the big picture? Is he really a part of all my thoughts and all my decisions and all my responses? Or is he maybe just an afterthought? I want us to think this morning. Amen. Because, like I said, there's so many things in life, in world, in the world, and in the church that can get our focus off of Him. Amen. Things that do hit us, things that we do go through that are real and that are tangible and that hurt. Amen. And that that can cause us to wonder why I'm going through this, you know. But yet and still, we can't let any of those things get our heart and our mind off of Him. Because he is the one that's going to get us through it, amen, and he is the one that is the answer to it. So we, we got to really get to the place to, to know that no matter what, you know, finally we want to live a life that's pleasing, amen, to the Lord Jesus, to the sovereign God, amen. Because without him, nothing else really actually matters. It's like a car, you know, a life without Jesus, without that true focus in it, is like a car without an engine. I've had that before, you know. Blow the engine, the car becomes useless. Pull it out, you got a big old hole. Or it's like having a nice swimming pool in your backyard with no water. Go jump in there. It's useless unless the neighborhood, you know, teenagers want somewhere to skateboard. As long as it's not one that's just made square. You know what I mean? But think about if we really want our life to fulfill the actual purpose, a car can't fulfill its purpose without an engine. A, a pool is, cannot really fulfill its purpose without water. You can't fulfill your purpose without Jesus. You can live a life that's mediocre but meaningless. 
You might live a life that is full of grandeur, amen, with no future without Jesus. He is the perfect. He is the number one. He is the one that wants to get us there. So, you know, as I was looking through the scriptures, just praying, you know, I, the, the Lord kept bringing this certain parable to my mind. And we're going to look at it. Let's go to, to Mark, the fourth chapter. Because, you know, according to what Jesus was telling them there, amen, there are four basic types of Christians. And it starts, with, I'm going to start at the first verse in Mark. Four. Amen. Got an amen corner over there. She's with me all the way. All right. It started the first verse in, in Mark 4. It says, and, it, and he began again to teach by the seaside, and there was a great a gathering unto him, a great multitude, so that he entered into a ship and sat in the sea, and the whole multitude was by the sea. On the land. So, I mean, so many people, he got on the boat and pushed off a little bit, and they came up to the seashore. They wanted to hear what he had to say, you know. And he taught them many things by parables and said unto them in his doctrine, Hearken, behold, there went out a sower to sow, and it came to pass, as he sowed, some fell by the wayside. And the fowls of the air came and devoured it, and some fell on stony ground, where it had not much earth, and immediately it sprang up, because it had no depth of, root of earth. But when the sun was up, it was scorched, and became, because it had no root, it withered away. And some fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked it, and it yielded no fruit. But other fell on good ground, and did yield fruit that sprang up and increased and brought forth some 30 and some 60 and some in 100. Four different kinds of seed, amen, there are results, I should say, of the seed that was sown. And he said unto them, he that have ears to hear, let him hear. And when he was alone, they that were about him with the twelve asked him the parable. And he said unto them, Unto you it is given to know the mystery of the kingdom of God. But unto them that are without, say without. That's key. Okay. Them that are without, all these things are done in parables. See, he had the 12 that he had drawn to them. He said, you know, you, it's unto you to know because you've been called in. You're, you're in a place, you're in a position to know these things. But those that are on the outside, those that are not called into the kingdom at this time, it's not for them to know yet. It's not for them to understand yet. Hmm. Look what it says in verse number 12. That seeing they may see and perceive not. And hearing they may hear and, and not understand, lest at any time they should be converted and their sins should be forgiven them. Well, isn't that what you want? That they would be converted and their sins would be forgiven them? Yes, that's what you want. But see, God has a purpose and a plan and a time for all things. 
And, and see, we're in a place, amen, where God, is, he's preparing him a people, amen, that will go out and represent him to the masses. He's preparing him a people that will be a witness, amen, in every circumstance and situation. He's preparing him a people, amen, that have been through some things and witnessed some things and endured some things, amen, that as they go, amen, they can speak not just from knowledge but from experience. I say he's preparing him a people in every generation, amen, that can be a true witness for him. So that when you begin to share and you begin to witness and they begin to say, well, you don't understand, say, hold up. Been there, been through it, overcame it, and I will show you how through him. See, but if we go with no understanding or more, moreover with no experience, it's a bunch of lip service. How many times have you ever told someone to tell you how to do something that they ain't never done themselves? You know, that, that don't work too well, right? You know, so you, you give me a whole lot of theory, but where's the application? You know, so we, we got to be ready. Are you ready? Are you re Just ask the person next. Are you ready to be the person of experience? Uh, see, 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 because if you're ready to be the purpose of the person of experience, that means you got to be ready to experience something, and and come through the experience victoriously. You know, I I don't want somebody to teach me how to drive that gets in a wreck every other week. That's not the kind of experience I'm looking for. I want some experience as someone who's been in the trench, knows how to come out the trench with victory. You see, so he's preparing him a people, amen, and that means us. So, so you know, as he's talking to the 12 here, he's letting them know, I'm giving you some nuggets, but you're walking with me. And in other words, before you can really go out and be witnesses, amen, you got to have something under your belt. Too many times we, we, we get a word. I mean, as a young Christian, I remember when I first got saved. I mean, I was, I was zealous. I immediately began carrying carry my Bible to work with me and everywhere else. But I had no experience to back me up. You know, and, and when people did crazy things, I said crazy things. I had no experience. No, I'm not talking about just the, the unsaved people. I'm talking about people in the church. What's wrong with them? Don't they get it? This is simple. Why don't you just do that? But I had my own issues on the side, just like they had their issues. And I can point out their issues, but I don't want to talk about my issues. You know, but, but see, once we get to a place where we got some maturation, some maturity, amen, and we've overcome some things, and we've got a little bit, keep on living, so a little bit understanding, now we can be able to help somebody, amen, without causing them to crash and burn because now we got them on the limb and we don't know how to get off. That's not where God wants us to operate. But as we continue to read here, look at the 13th verse. And he said unto them, know ye not this parable? And how then will you know all parables. Now, I love what he told them next. The sower sows the word. It's the word 
Amen. When he's talking about the seed, he's really talking about the, the word. Amen. And these are they by the wayside where the word is sown. But when they had heard, have heard, Satan cometh immediately and taketh away the word that was sown in their hearts. He's talking about the first ones that just fell by the wayside. So before the word could take root, the enemy is right there to steal it away. Amen. How many times we got a word? And then, you know, sometimes you ask people 20 minutes after service, what was the word about? Uh, you know, and like, um, Jesus. <laughs> did you really get the word? Did, uh, did, the, and see, we say, it says Satan, but sometimes it's just the, the distractions of life. Our focus is in the wrong place. Something else, amen, that's, that's got us, rather than being set to allow the word to begin to sink in, to, to chew that word and meditate on that word, amen, to allow it to take root in your heart, amen. But if you, you are, you're you sitting there because why, remember I asked you why you come to church? If you're just sitting there because you're supposed to be, are you sitting here and you're thinking about what sister so-and-so wearing over there and how cute she thinks she is and she got, how she, Satan already stealing the word. Now that person over there did this to me and I can't stand them and I hope they don't even look my way. He's already stealing the word. See, Satan's got ways to come, amen, even as the word is coming to keep you from receiving it. To keep it from taking root in your heart. Why? Because your focus is off. You did not come to see what she was wearing. You did not come to deal with your issue. You came to hear from Jesus. You came to hear from God. You came to hear a word that he has poured in the, the heart of the man and woman of God. Amen. So that, you know, he said the table is spread before us. I mean, you go to somebody's, you know, house to eat dinner and you don't even want no food. You're too worried about the curtains and you're jealous about the furniture. And you, you know, you, you, you tripping over me because there's a spot on the carpet. And, you know, you, you, you got all that going on. And, and by the time it's time to eat, food is cold and you can't enjoy it anyway. I'm, I'm trying to help us. And so that's the first kind of Christian, amen. The Christian that comes that focused on everything else and, and the word just go by the wayside. Why? Because we come in distracted by the word. Distracted by all these things, amen. And we're, we're coming not really keyed in and focused to hear and to receive what God has for us. It's just for lack of a better term, you're just there. Be glad I'm here. Right? Help us, Lord. Mm. And the 16th verse, and these are they likewise which are sown on stony ground, who when they have heard the word, immediately receive it with gladness and have no What's it say? No root in themselves. So and so endeavor by the time, but for a time, excuse me, endure, but for a time afterward, here we go. This is a big group of people. And I'm not just talking about living faith. Everybody's like, Let's not go there. Okay? Afterward, 
when affliction, they're afflicted, or persecution arises for the word's sake. You see what he says? It didn't just arise, but it arose for the word's sake. Immediately they are offended. Wow. I think about Psalms where it says, Great peace have they that love thy law, and nothing shall offend them. Amen. But all of a sudden when persecution comes or, 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 or affliction comes, or you know, all of a sudden we find ourselves offended and now our hearts, our hearts become hardened and we can't receive the word. We don't want to hear the word because now my offense, and I like, you know, I, I, don't, I understand the word offense, but when you look at that word, I like to, I like to, 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 to play with words sometimes. But if you separate that word, it's off-ending. And I think about how, how Jesus and Jeremiah said he knows the, the purpose and the plans that he has for us for an expected, what, end. And the word comes to help us to get to that expected end. But when we are offense or offense come into our life, it gets us off of the end that God has intended for us. So we got to say, okay, I, I can't let myself be off-ended every time something comes up. Because offense gets me off track, and I got to get back on track with God. Because if I don't stay on track with him, I won't get to the end that he has planned for me. The enemy is going to use all kinds of things, people, circumstances, situations, sickness, disease. He don't care what it is if he can use it to get you off track. If he can get you off-ended, amen. Sometimes, anybody here honest enough to say that you have been offended by God? You got to think about that one for a minute, right? It's easy. I mean, sometimes it's easy and quick for us to say how people offend us. But what about when God disappoints you? Do you take an offense with him? Hello? Quiet in the church mouth. Hmm? But think about that. And it gets you, oh, no, I, I, I can't be allowing these things to come in because they're designed just to get me off, and I don't want to be off. Anybody here want to be off? It's amazing how that word starts with O-F-F. Huh? So if you're walking in a fence, guess who's off first? You want offended? I'm not mad. I forgive him. They just off, offended me. Huh? Now, hey, we don't we, we don't stop and realize what it is that we're saying and the power that we're giving to the person, or the situation, or the circumstance. No, greater is He that's in you than He that's in the world. Amen. And, and, and are we gonna get to it? Amen. But see. He, he died that we might have the victory over all these things so that it would not have any power. That, that's the second larger group, amen, that we, we deal with. And then the 18th verse there, and these are they which are sown among thorns, such as hear the word 
And the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches and the lust of other things, other things entering in choketh the word and it becomes unfruitful. Hallelujah. It's unfruitful. You know, at the wedding yesterday, someone made mention, you know, about when they were given words to pray and be arrogant about the roses, you know, bringing roses. You know, but even roses have thorns. Hmm? Think about that. Even those things that come against us, amen, they have a tendency to wake us up. You ever reach for a flower and you didn't pay attention to the rose? Rose bushes, them thorns, them thorns are, are brutal. I mean, they don't play. I got I got some rose bushes that's within the yard, man. And, you know, you don't even have to be trying and it'll get you. You know, so, I mean, so, but at the same time, we got to realize, amen, that there's thorns in our lives that come to try and stop us from hearing and receiving and to choke the word out of us, amen, the cares, the desires, amen, the lust, yes, uh, the lust of this world. And sometimes we allow those things, amen, to override. I got to get this. I got to get that. I'm going after this. You know, and, and you know, oh, goodness, help me, Holy Spirit. You know, sometimes we pray, we pray, we pray, God bless me with a job, God bless me with a child, God bless me with this, God bless me with that, amen, and, and God comes by and he answers your prayer. And all of a sudden that thing now becomes a hindrance to your walk with him. Hmm. Your, your rose came, but it got thorns. You got things that if we're not careful, it will choke out our position with God because now it has taken priority over the one that blessed us. And we got to say, no, Lord, I'm going to keep you first. I'm going to keep you first. I'm going to continue to trust you. I'm going to continue to believe you. Amen. The cares of this world. Amen. You know, we we, we look at how, how that one, you know, it really speaks, amen, the deceitfulness of riches. We all would love to be rich, I would imagine. You know, we got some stoic, you know, people that are like, I don't want to be rich, I just want to be comfortable. How many of us want to be poor? Got to be real quiet. Get a single amen in there. See, you know, <laughs> no one wants to be poor. And I don't believe God wants us to be poor. You know, but I also know that he does not want us caught up in the deceitfulness of riches. Notice, he didn't just say, you know, caught up in riches, but the deceitfulness. Amen. That's where the problem lies. Amen. When we begin to think, this is all I need and this is going to be everything that's going to help me. No, when we understand when God blesses us with resources and riches and wealth, amen, it's still for the glory of his kingdom. As a child of God, amen, everything you have belongs to God. Don't be deceived. It's not about you, but it's about him. Amen. And even as, you know, I thank God, amen, this, this coming week we start the, the financial peace class for as many as, you know, had the, the, the desire and the wisdom to sign up for it. Amen. Because it will change your life. But even in that class, we begin to really find out and understand that, not just 10% belongs to God, 100% belongs to God. Hello? You belong to God. 
Now, how can you belong to God and your money don't belong to him? Hello? Or do you belong to God? Have you really acquiesced yourself? You know, when you gave your life to him, you gave him 3%, 10%? What? Or was it 100% transaction? That's what we got to choose and we got to decide. So don't be caught up with the, those things, amen, that come to choke. But I got I to gotta, I gotta move on. I got to move on. Hallelujah. And it's the, the final one now. This is where we all ought to be. Amen. See, because once the word is choked out, as we see, it can't be fruitful. And the 20th verse says, and these are they which are sown on good ground. Say good ground. All right. Amen. How many believe living faith is good ground? We know the kingdom of God is good ground, and we just like to be a part of that kingdom. Amen. And so, and so when, you, when you're sown into good ground, how many of you believe you are good ground? Come on. You got to think about that because living faith ain't the building. It's the people. Amen. This is where living faith meets in this building. Amen. So when we say good ground, you say, I am good ground. So when the word is sown into me, I am good ground. Amen. And because that word is sown into me, I am going to produce good fruit. Because what, what, as it goes on to say, you know, it says, which are sown on good ground, that word that came forth, such as hear the word and receive it and bring forth fruit, some 30-fold, some 60, and some and 100. And hear the word and what? Receive it. That's when you know it's good ground. That's when you know you're good ground. When you receive the word, amen, and you allow it to take roots in your life. It's, it's one thing to have the word in your head. It's one thing to have the word ringing in your ears. But it's another thing to have the word functioning in your life. And that's where we really want to be. Amen. It's just gone past our ear gate, past our reasoning. Amen. And it's gotten into our heart and it's producing fruit in our life. That's when we know it's good ground. Otherwise, we find ourselves falling into one of those other three categories. So I must ask the question, which one are you? Which one am I? Am I allowing the word to get past all the roadblocks and all the issues and all the filters, amen, and I'm allowing it to get into my spirit, amen, so that I can live it like I'm supposed to live it in spite of how I might feel sometimes. That's one of you is goodness. That's one of the big areas, amen, that, that calls us to, and, and messes us up so often. Mm. We got we to gotta say, Lord. You know, that 20th verse, I'm going to read it out of the Message Bible. Uh, you know, I got the whole thing in the Message. I won't take time to go to that because I got to move on. But that 20th verse, I just want to read how it says out of the, the Message Bible. It says, but the seed planted in the good earth represents those who hear the word, embrace it, and produce a harvest beyond their wildest dreams. Whew. I like that. You hear it, you embrace it, and who produces the harvest? You do, because you're walking it out, you're living it, you're producing, amen, a harvest of, you know, for the kingdom of God beyond your wildest dreams, beyond your wildest imagination. Anybody there yet? 
That means we still got some work to do. Huh? And we understand that there's so many things and so many people and so many situations, amen, that we can, we, we can spend a whole lot of time talking about a whole lot of junk. Opinions and attitudes and feelings and all those things, whether it's church, home, job, it don't matter. It's still a distraction. Amen. And we, at the end of the day, we've got to ask ourselves, what have I produced for the kingdom? A lot of people talk good and produce zero. And tomorrow they'll be talking some more. But the scripture tells me you'll know a tree by what? The fruit that it bears. So let your fruit speak more than your words. Let your fruit Amen. And, and, and not just fruit that comes and goes, but we're talking about fruit that what? Remains. We want fruit that remains. Amen. That, that has produced something. Amen. And it, it continues to produce and reproduce. Why? Because it is good fruit. Amen. That we brought forth. Amen. So when, you, when you're talking, amen, and you're thinking and you're meditating on your life or somebody else is speaking into your life, just ask the question or just look around and say, what? Are you producing? Where are, where is, where have been your fruit? Because you would not go for spiritual, or, or let me say it like this. Let me, you wouldn't go for financial advice to somebody living on Skid Row. Would you? You know, no, no, you, you, you find you a financial advisor, amen, or you find somebody that's down the road further than you are producing and operating and, and being, you know, manifesting what you desire. You ask them, how did you get where you are? You know, you don't, you don't go to the bum that ain't got nothing. How do you intend to get from where you are? Because I want to do that. No, 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 no. So it's the same thing when it comes to spiritual things, people. It really is. You know, and, and that's why, why do you think, you know, even myself, I'm still seeking. I'm still searching. I'm still following. I'm still desiring, you know, more input. Because I'm not where I really want to be. I'm striving. I'm pressing. And that's why I like how the Apostle Paul said, follow me even also as I follow Christ. I'm following I'm somebody that's following Jesus, and I'll, I'll follow them, amen, because maybe they know something about following him that I don't know yet. And they're producing things that I'm not producing yet. So if I can get a hold of that, maybe it'll you know, propel me to more get a hold of him because they must know something that I don't know. It only makes sense to me to really strive for him. Now, let's, let's, let's look over here, amen, because yeah, I, I looked at that verse, and it prompted me, amen, to go to one of the passages we quote quite often, amen, because he talked about they will produce a harvest beyond their wildest dreams. Anybody got a dream in them? Amen, a harvest for your life. Amen. Places and things that you would like to achieve, 
souls that you would love to be see saved. I mean, when it talks about a harvest, it's not just talking about, you know, one area. I mean, a harvest beyond your dreams. He said, you know, he's able to do exceeding abundantly above all that you're able to ask or think. That's the God that we serve. You know, and in another place in the scripture, he lets us know that if you would seek him first, he will, he will add all these things. Huh? Because he talked about, you know, if we give up houses and land and mothers and fathers and all, he, he, he said he will, he will give us all these things in this world and in the world to come. So naturally, he's talking about natural and spiritual. He's going to bless us tremendously. But then look in Psalms 92. And I'm going to begin at verse number 12. Often we quote 13, but I want to begin at 12. It says, the righteous shall flourish. Who? Oh, y'all was kind of weak on that one. Who who, who going to flourish? All right. Are you the righteous or are we afraid to say it? See, we're checking ourselves, right? Amen. But see, it makes it clear who's going to flourish. He said, the righteous shall flourish like the palm tree. He shall grow like a cedar in Lebanon. Remember, they used the cedar trees to build the temple. Amen. And then it says in the 13th verse, those that be planted in the house of the Lord shall flourish in the courts of our God. Uh-oh. So in other words, he said the righteous are going to flourish, but he said, how are they going to flourish if they're planted in the house of our God? And I noticed in that passage that it capitalized just to emphasize the word shall. Shall flourish if you get planted. That means you can't be bouncing around here and there and partly and halfway and kind of sort of connected. But you need to get planted. Remember I said earlier, we were looking at the passage, you said those that have some depth of root, get rooted in the house. The wind going to come, yes. The wind, the rain's going to blow, yes. Storm is going to come, okay. Even while we were in Florida, I'm, I'm, again, I was looking at the palm trees. And then when we got in St. Martin, they had these trees that were like palm trees, but the bark... It wasn't no bark, really. It was just a smooth trunk. It was white. And them things, I went over to one that's only about that big around. I knocked on it. That thing was solid as day. I mean, it just it wasn't, that wasn't about to move. And I could just imagine when they say, you know, you know, the, the size of the root ball of some of these trees, amen, is much more than what you see above the ground. In other words, it is deeply rooted. I'm sure most of us have seen the videos and the news, you know, where the wind is blowing when the typhoon is coming, and you see them them palm trees just bent way over there, amen, and they may lose a few limbs. And, and I've seen pictures where even after the storm, they're still a little bit like, hmm. but give them a few days. They come right back up straight. Why? Because they're rooted. But see, the problem is too many people are not rooted in the kingdom. And when the winds blow and the storms come, amen, and, and the hell of life hits them upside their head, 
they go tumbling because they got no depth of root to be able to withstand the storms that will come, not might come, the storms that will come in life. You got to, so, you know, what you need to be doing, what I got to continually do is focus on not upward growth, but depth. Upward growth looks good to everybody. Huh? It, it, oh, look, ooh, look at that. But if there ain't no depth, you know, I, I look at some of the trees around my house sometimes, and I'm like, ooh, I got some big trees on my phone. You know, and, and when the wind blows, there's one tree that sits behind my house just on the other side of the property line. And this tree is probably about that big around. And I watch when the winds, but I don't know how far up it goes, probably, you know, 150, 200 feet. But I, I look at this tree when, when the winds blow, and there's one big part of the root that kind of comes, and then it goes into the ground. And I stand there when we have heavy winds, and I watch that tree rock. And I watch that one part of the root rise on the ground. That's not good. But then it, it, it weathers the storm. But I know that one day, if it keeps rocking enough, and it gets more top-heavy than it gets depth, the neighbor's house is going to be in trouble. I'll just say it like that. Because the way it's leaning, they might have a new front door and garage door at the same time. Because, and, I, you know, and, and I see it, I'm like, wow. And you know, I think about how much that tree has endured over the years. But my point is this. If you keep growing tall, but you don't grow deep, you will fall, no matter what. So you better make sure it equates. What am I saying? You might build a great ministry, a great business, a great life, a great family, but if you don't have the depth of root to sustain it, one day you're going to become top-heavy, and it's all going to come crashing down. It might not be in your generation. Can I add that? Because, see, we got to pass that legacy on to our children and help them to be ready to pass it on to their That's how you build depth of roots. It's not just about you or I, amen, but it's those that we're passing it on to. You know, and as that bark sheds, the new bark got to take over. And it's got to have that same mindset that we're going to go deeper and deeper into this thing. But yes, it says in the 13th verse, those that be planted. I know it's not good English. It's just say those that are, but I didn't write the Bible. I didn't write the King James. Be planted in the house of the Lord shall flourish in the courts of our God. They shall still bring forth fruit. Look at this, Elder Blackburn. He said they shall still bring fruit in old age. We got some of that fruit this morning. Uh, we got, I said we got some of that fruit this morning. Amen. And they shall be fat and flourishing. In other words, it continues to go on and on and on in the 15th verse to show, now why, why, why? To show that the Lord is upright. He is my rock. And there is no unrighteousness in him. So all this we're doing is to Show him off. 
I love that. It's not about us. All this is, amen, is just to be able to say, he is my rock. He is the reason. He is the righteous one. And because of him, amen, I'm able to do all these things for his glory. It's not about us. It's not about you. It's not about me. It's about him. And we keep that focus set upon him. Now think about that flourishing. What's it say? Let's Psalms 1 and 1. Hallelujah. Thank the Lord. It says, Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly. There's all kind of counselors out there, ain't there? Everybody want to tell you something. Everybody got a word. Everybody got a remedy. Everybody got a scripture. Everybody got a revelation. Everybody got a prophecy. Huh? Where are your fruit? Where's your fruit? That's what we got to ask ourselves. You know, you know, when you go to a counselor's office, don't you look for the credentials? I hope, yeah, I hope so. You, know, so you go to a doctor's office, you know, you know I, I, I'm one, you know, because then they, you know, they get you in that little room and you're waiting for them. I'm, on, I'm looking on the wall. Okay. Let me see. Let me see. I want to make sure you got something on the wall. Maybe you printed it off at Walmart, but you're going to have something on the wall that says MD or, you know, you're going to have something. You know, huh? You know, so you so so when when someone begins to speak into your life, you know, where are your credentials? Where's the fruit? Where where where? Can I help somebody, please? Show me show me something. But hey, uh-uh. but he says, Amen. Walk not in the counsel, nor standeth in the way of sinners. In other words, going where they're going, doing what they're doing. Hanging out there. Nor sitting in the seat of the scornful. Uh-oh. I know y'all don't want me to, you don't want me to hang out there very long, right? Huh? You know, it's easy to sit. I'm going to say it. Sit and jaw jack about everybody else's problems. Mm-hmm. What everybody else got going on. You know, and she this and he that and they this. And, you know, it's easy to, to be a scornful and don't even realize you being scornful. You know, you're all up in everybody else's Kool-Aid, trying to peep on everybody else's Facebook page, so you can you can you can you can judge them to keep the light off of you. Hello, somebody. Are y'all still with me? Huh? But look what it says: Blessed is the man that walketh not in these things. But the verse, second verse says, "But his delight is in what." The law of the Lord, the word of the Lord is what he's talking about. He said his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law shall he meditate on Sunday. Oh, yeah. Day and night. In other words, constantly he's meditating on the word of God. Constantly he's working on his depth of root. He's adding something, and he's adding more, amen. Because, you know, if, if the roots go deep, the tree going to grow. Got to get it right. Huh? So we got to, day and night. What do you think about day and night? Don't shout nothing out now. You know, but think about what, what, is, what is your your main meditation? You know, what, what occupies most of your cerebral time? 
how I can do this and how I can get there, how I can make that happen. Now we do we do we do we do do we take time daily to meditate on the word of God, his goodness, his grace, his love. But then the third verse it says, and he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water. Remember we were talking about that one that's planted, amen, in the courts of our God. So he's going to be planted by the rivers of water that bringeth forth his fruit in his season. Uh-oh. In other words, if you're doing all these things, you will produce fruit. And it's going to bring fruit in the right season. Amen. It might seem like I've been in my life, I just, just keep doing what you're supposed to be doing. Just keep trusting. Just keep meditating. Just keep praying. And the fruit shall come. And his leaf also shall not wither. And I like this last part. And whatsoever. See now, there's no danger in that. Notice, you know, because when you say whatsoever, that can include a lot of things for a lot of people. But we're talking about a righteous person. So that means he ain't going to be, his whatsoever ain't going to be nothing unrighteous. It ain't going to be nothing crazy. Okay? Because that's why he can say, and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. Because his focus is on God. His meditation is about God. He knows why he comes to church, and he knows why he prays, and why he fasts, why he supports ministry with his finances, why he gives unto God. He, he understands those things because it's about his relationship with God and nothing and nobody else. And therefore, when I, because of his focus is right, his heart is right, his motives are pure, he will prosper. This is the word God tells us. Basically, it, say he, it, don't, it, it, it don't say he, he, he might prosper, he could prosper, he should prosper. But it says he shall prosper. Shall is one of the strongest words in the English language. Huh? It don't leave no room for equivocation. It don't leave no room for debate. You know, you shall. Hallelujah. And just as I prepare to close, I don't want to be long with you this morning. Go with me to John, the 17th chapter. Some passage from our reading this morning that really spoke to me. It was a reading that I share with the pastors and elders every morning. And we pray and we, we read thing, a passage of scripture, a chapter. Amen. And in John 17, where our reading was this morning, Shared a little bit of this with the elders in prayer. John 17, I want to begin at verse number 12. It kind of just wrapped up everything as I read it this morning. I didn't even look at it, you know, before when I was preparing my other notes. I'm like, wow. We got to know why we're here. Our purpose, our reasoning, all these things. It says, and while I was with them in the world, this was Jesus speaking, you know, and, and he's having a discourse here, which I like. He's, he's talking unto the Father, you know, about the disciples, and, 
you know, his time with them. He said, and while I was with them in the world, I kept them, look what he says, I kept them in thy name. Hello. That's where we got to be in the name of Jesus. He said, I kept them in thy name. Those that thou gavest me, I have kept, and none of them is lost but the son of perdition. Talking about Judas. That the scripture might be fulfilled, and now come I to thee, and these things I speak in the world, that they might have my joy fulfilled in them. I loved when he said that. You know, because we, we talk about the peace of God and, 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 and you know, and, and, and all those things. But he said that they might have my joy fulfilled in them, the joy of their salvation, the joy of their relationship. See, joy is a continual, perpetual thing when you get it right. It's not dependent on situations and circumstances. It's not like happy. I'm not happy. You know, okay, well, what do we need to do to make you happy? What's going to make you up? No, but when you get your joy right, people can't affect your joy when it's in the Lord. I, I love it. He said that they might have my joy fulfilled in them. Is your joy in the Lord full yet? If it's not, okay, you got some work to do. I ain't got time to deal with that right now. I have, the 14th verse says, I have given them thy word. In other words, I have sown. Where we started? The sower. He said, I have given them thy word. And the world hateth, hath hated them. See, that's what stops a lot of us. We want everybody to love us. Saved and unsaved. So we'll compromise and we'll, we'll back off and we'll be timid and we won't speak up for the gospel's sake. You know, we'll, we'll oh goodness, Holy Spirit. We'll, we'll, we'll chameleon sometimes to be accepted. Sam Pastor Ed, you'll transform and you'll be like them around you that have nothing to do with Jesus. But no, don't do that. Let them hate you before you switch up on him. But can I say that again? I said, I don't care if it's mother, father, sister, brother, best friend. Let them hate you first before you switch up on Jesus. Because he said, those who have left mother and father, houses and land, if you're not willing to forsake those friendships to be right in relationship with God, you've already put them ahead of him. I can't say it any other way. So he said, no, I gave them thy word and the world has hated them because they are not what did he say? Woo! That really impacted me again. He said, because they are not of this world. They are not of the world. See, that's the place you got to recognize as a child of God. You are in the world, but you're not of this world. When you really believe him, like it said in John 3.16, and you move to a place that you will have everlasting life. You are no longer of this world. It puts you in another category with God. See, because the people of the world don't have everlasting life. Only the people of God. Look what he said here. Mm. I don't know if y'all get this. It just 
I'm trying to contain myself right now. Hallelujah. He said, because they are not of this world, even as I am not of the world, I pray not that they should, that thou should take them out of the world, but that thou shouldest keep them from the evil one. Now notice he said, don't take them out of the world. Although they're not of the world, don't take them out of the world. The Bible says uh, we are the salt of the world. Huh? Amen. We are the light of the world. He said, don't take the light out yet. Don't take the salt out yet. They still got a job to do, but they're not of the world. They're different from the world, but the world needs them. Hallelujah. But just keep them from being consumed by the evil one. He, that's what he prayed, Lord. Protect them and keep them in the place that they're not of. See, we, we can't be like the world because we're not of the world. We got to be different. We got to have our minds made up. 16 verse says, they are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. He says it again, sanctify them. In other words, separate them, cleanse them. Sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. As thou hast kept me in the world, even so I also send them into the world. Wow. He said, they're out of the world. Lord, don't take them out of the world. I'm sending them into the world be the light, to be the salt, to make a difference, to draw others out of, out, of, out of the world and into your kingdom. That's our job. That's, that's who we are. But when we focus on ourselves, we can't do this. When we allow ourselves to be distracted and overwhelmed by the evil one and by the cares of this life, we can't do that. And that's why the world all around us is dying because the salt is losing its saltiness. Let's say. Oh, we got to get to that place, people. Come on. Come on. Hallelujah. And for thy, for their sake, look what he says. I sanctify myself that they also might be sanctified through the truth. Being the word. Neither pray I for these alone. Now this, I, 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 I got to give you this verse. He said, neither pray I for these alone, but for them also who shall believe on me through the word. Is that what he said? Huh? Through their word. Other words, you'll produce fruit. Because now, Others are believing on him through our words, through the words that we pass down, the words that we speak, the testimony that we give, the witness that we are. Now, they can believe on him. That's why he's sending us into the world. Amen. So others can believe what they have not heard from any other source but you, any other testimony but yours, any other witness but when you can stand in witness to them of the goodness of God in your life. We got a job. But if we're distracted, if we're focused on ourselves, amen, if we're, we're all tied up with the cares of this life, our primary purpose cannot be fulfilled. We, can, we will not produce fruit. 
because the evil one is consuming us with all this stuff and intentionally so, so we cannot produce like he wants us to produce. He gets us wrapped up and tied up and tangled up with ourselves. It's like, no, no, no. I cast every care, every doubt, every fear on God. And I live a life. Amen. So I can be a light, so I can be a witness. Lord, when I when I stand before you, I want to know that I have produced fruit for your kingdom. That I didn't get distracted by my life and the things that the enemy used against me in my life. That I could not produce fruit for your kingdom. He wants us to be fruitful trees. He wants us to produce. Hallelujah. But then he didn't stop there. That's a semicolon. He said that they all may be one as thou, Father, art in me and I in thee, that they also may be one in us, that the world may believe that thou hast sent me. Wow. I could go on. But I got to stop. He's done all these things, amen. So I'm not just praying for that, but I'm praying for them to become one in him. In him, amen. As we become one, we can become more unified, more oneness, more unity, more harmony in the body. When we realize when we're all focused on the bigger picture, on kingdom purpose and not on my little issue and your little issue and what you said and what you did and didn't or that. Can I just be honest with you? Childish foolishness is stifling so much of the body of Christ. And the enemy is sitting back saying, got him again. Got him again. Same patterns. Same roller coaster. Same treadmill time to get off time to rise up and say no uh-uh. I'm going to be one that produces fruit for the kingdom of God I'm going to walk in the joy and the peace that he wants me to walk in all this stuff in my past all this stuff that's come against me all this it, it, it. stand let's stand let's stand it ain't got you no further today. And guess what? Unless you're really ready to give it to God, it ain't going to get you no further tomorrow. It's time that we release it and say, God, I give it to you. I am here to work for the kingdom. I am here to serve you with all my heart and all my mind and all my soul. And everything else, I'm casting it on you. Tired of being distracted. Tired of hearing the same old hubba-boo over and over and over again. You ever have somebody come to you rehearsing the same old story? You you ready to move forward? They ready to rehearse the same old story over and over? Hold that. And guess what? Let it stay on hold. Hold that. I don't have any more time to invest in that. I got kingdom business. I got kingdom agenda to move on with. And I invite you to come go with me. 
the dead bury the dead. We're moving on to life and life eternal. That's the mind we got to have, amen. And, and, you know, when we get to that place, that's when we can cast in our full lot. That's when we, we can serve the kingdom with all our heart, all our mind, all our strength, all our resources. Amen. I, I, we make time for the kingdom. Amen. We, we get on board and different things. We got too many people that just in, in the kingdom, not just here. Amen. They come to church, but they don't support. Why? Because they're distracted. They don't support with their time, their talent, their effort, their finances. They just... And I was thinking about it the other day. Everybody want to see something done. Right? You know, it's just like if I say, I want something to eat. And you say, yeah, me too. Pastor Fred said, me too. Let's, 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 let's you know, and then, then, then Cindy, she, I want to eat something too. So me and Cindy, Pastor Fred, Elder Carl, and Pastor Linda, we all go in the kitchen. And we just stand there and say, I want something to eat. You hungry? Yeah, I'm hungry. How about you? You hungry? What would you like to eat? Well, a hamburger sounds good. Some fries. Maybe you got some bacon. You know, we can sit there and talk about it. You know, somebody should cook some bacon. Somebody should be, yeah, you're right. Maybe make some grits too, you know. And we can stand there all day long and talk about what needs to be done. We're in the kitchen. The fridge is right there. Stone's there. All the seasonings. Pantry right there. We, we, and we, we talking good. Elder Carl, he there, yeah, I like to put my eggs and my grits. Mm-hmm. And break up some bacon to put in there, put some salt. No, Pastor Linda, ah, no, I like sugar in my grits. You know, we, we can talk about all that. And we get deep. Yeah, I've been having grits since I was knee high. You know, we, we get deep in it. But not until somebody opens the cabinet and puts their hand to the refrigerator and turns on that stove and gets a pot. Are we going to produce anything? We got too many talkers and not enough workers. Put your hand to the pile. Get the box of grits. Get some water in the pot. Put on some heat. Stop talking about it and let's start doing it. Oh, we don't got no butter. Well, I got some money. I'll go to the store while you warm that up. You know what? We bring our resources. We bring our ability. We bring our talent. We bring it all together. And all of a sudden, we all eating good. Huh? Why? Because we didn't just talk about it. I'm tired of people just talking about it. I want some people that's ready to work. Some people ready to put their hand to it. If you're going to be in the church, put your hand to work in the church. Stop talking about what needs to go on and do it. What needs to happen and make it happen. Put your hands to the pile. Time. Well, they need to do this. And, and you know, that that mystical they. Next time you say, you, you get ready to fix your mouth to say what they need to do, just slap yourself and say, I need to. I'm not talking about no pat. I'm talking, I said slap yourself. And say, I need you. 
Too many people talking about what y'all need to do and they need to do. We, and they seldom say we because it might, it might include them. No, just say I need to do. It's on your heart, make it out. You see where there's a deficit, there's a hole, fill it. Huh? Then we'll see things produced. We'll see things happen. We'll see greatness in the kingdom. And guess what? You'll be more fulfilled. Why? Because you're finally becoming a part of the body. Get involved. Get connected. Hallelujah. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord. Father, in the name of Jesus, Lord, we come before you right now. And we thank you, God, for who you are and all that you're doing, God. We thank you that you've called us in out of the world, into your kingdom. And, Lord, we don't want to be unproductive. But we want to, first of all, acknowledge that we believe. And, therefore, we do have eternal life. We're tired of the distractions. 